There was a great big moose. There was a great big moose. He liked to drink a lot of juice. He liked to drink a lot of juice. There was a great big moose. There was a great big moose. He liked to drink a lot of juice. Check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Sons and Suffers Podcast. I am your boy, the one and only Mario Stanley, bringing you that good good today. Today's guest is Mr. Wild Bill. Mr. Wild Bill and I met like starstruck lovers from across the way. When I was at the World Cup in Salt Lake City, this dubious, I, I can't say dubious, but it was joyfully dubious mustache just reached out to me and just captivated me from across the way. And upon us talking, I realized that Mr. Wild Bill is a coach. He coaches downhill skiing for youth athletes. And, you know, when two coaches or two people in like professions get along and start talking, the knowledge that is gained and dropped and received is amazing. It was so good to hear things that I do myself. And I actually learned a few things that we teach our kids in different disciplines, but are universal. And it was just a joy. So if you are a seasoned coach or a new coach, this is a great episode for you. I'm really looking for sharing, looking forward to sharing this information with you. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. There's a little bonus. Your homeboy tries to break out the pipes. You know, I ain't dropping bars, but I'm trying to break out, break out them pipes on you and a little sing-sang. Don't judge me because it's probably terrible, but I'll let you guys be the judge of that. I hope you enjoy this episode. And guys, if you haven't already, please join our Patreon. It is up live running, just Sends and Suffers at Patreon. You can also find it at SendsAndSuffers.com. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy the episode with Wild Bill. Check it out. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, germs, whoever you are on the internet, I don't even know. But uh, welcome to Sends and Suffers Podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley. And today I have Wild Bill with me. And Wild Bill and I met yesterday. Uh, this man is rad. He shared a beautiful rainbow with me. We bonded. And from that moment on, we forged our friendship. And uh, <laughs> together we form uh, a smaller version of Ultron. So, uh, Bill, why don't you tell people who are you, where you're from, and what is your connection to the outdoors? Sure. So uh, my name is Bill Krause. Uh, everybody calls me Wild Bill. Um, I grew up in Michigan and moved to Utah to be near the mountains uh, in my early 20s. I've uh, been a skiing fanatic my whole life. I uh, raced as a young man and uh, sort of transitioned into coaching as I my success as an athlete was fairly mediocre, uh, but I was really good with helping the younger athletes, and I was consistent and technical enough to, you know, have a good grasp on the sport, um, so I transitioned to coaching in my uh, early 20s and have been in Utah uh, coaching uh, alpine ski racing to uh, younger athletes uh, since those days, which is uh, coming up on 30 years here. 
He's wheeze. Okay, so I'm from Texas, and most of my listener base is from Texas. So when you say alpine ski racing, I have no idea really what you're talking about. Like, I don't know if it's the difference. Like, literally, when you, when you first said ski racing, I was like, is this downhill ski? Is this, like, so can you kind of paint a picture with words? Like, what is down, like, what is, al- sorry, I keep on saying down. Uh, alpine ski race so downhill is that's probably what most people in on, on in the country call it is downhill skiing uh globally it's alpine uh is the discipline okay um and uh most people's exposure to ski racing is from the olympics watching on television that is uh where we have athletes racing against the clock uh going around the little flags they're called gates okay um and they sometimes have the molars, is it mo- moguls is a is a freestyle discipline so that's not yeah so a different discipline where freestyle will have uh moguls and uh aerials used to be when i was a kid they had also ballet ski which is do yourself a favor and google that and uh my favorite video john denver i can't remember what the song was called but he did like a music video with ballet skiers and it is 80s in all its glory (laughs) well worth seeing but uh yeah so racing against the clock as well as against one another um and it's uh it's it's a fantastic feeling sailing down the mountain uh with nothing but a very thin piece of uh material between you and the usually water injected course so they're very icy fast steep courses that we that we train and ski on okay then and so you've been teaching this for a while and it's i coach rock climbing so and i think i mentioned that briefly i coach uh competitive and indoor and i coach competitive indoor climbing at a recreational level and i coach kids and then i help adults train for this so in this sport i guess it's obviously a seasonal sport is there i'm trying to like imagine what the correlation is between climbing is so like i know for climbing training for climbing a lot of big times we say the first thing you need to do is just actually climb more if someone wants to like get into this sport um, is it one of those things that you just have to move somewhere where you can just ski more or is it like, like what, I guess, what is the stepping stone to doing this? Cause like when you do rock climbing, usually in modern day, you know, you go to an indoor gym and then from there you go from gym to crag and then from gym to crag, you start going to like sport climbing, bouldering, alpine. And, you know, we're here at the world cup, which is an indoor format, but like, what is like the, I guess the usual path that someone eventually realizes, like, I want to do alpine ski. Sure. So, I mean, any skiing is a great sport and like climbing and any other uh, thing we can do outside, outside and uh, uh, commune with the mountains. Um, there's something and a level for everyone. Uh, the best thing to do, and a lot of people take a vacation to somewhere with ski lifts and a ski hill. Um, and I fully recommend skiing with an instructor for your first experience, uh, especially, you know, if you go out with a loved one. You see people on the hill, like spouses or boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever you, you have you, um, going out there, and it's a very frustrating thing. Because you, you, I'm sure you know, as a coach, that never teach. And this is my, I always say this, and I don't. You can disagree with me, but never teach anyone you love anything ever. No, if you want to stay in a relationship, right? that's key. Right? It's like you're right, yeah, because right, it's better to just enjoy it together instead yeah. of trying yeah. to provide instruction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, there's something for everyone. You go out, and you know, it's the if, if you've seen the South Park episode with the ski instructor where they French fries and, and pizza, that's that's your first day, right? You point your skis straight, and then you make a little V. Oh, yeah. Often known as making a V 
piece of pizza yeah. with your skis, um, and uh, that slows you down, and then you can kind of progress from there. So skiing is definitely a progress- progression where, you know, the first thing, it all starts right with the snow and how you stand on your foot and how you build your yourself from the bottom up as far as how you stand and your and your balance and your stance and that allows you to move on to the next step and sure i'm sure just like climbing if you put your hand and foot in the wrong place you you're, not gonna, you're gonna have a hard time moving to the next one or you'll have to do something that's inefficient to get to the next step you usually just fall and hit the ground well that that <laughs> happens in skiing too and uh yeah that can be painful and we yeah used to break our legs now everybody blows their knees out skiing oh. so oh. you mentioned like you did this competitively what I mean, what got you into it? I mean, were you introduced to it by someone, or is this you've kind of always been around this? And then, what made you decide to be competitive? Sure. So, a really interesting story, I think, that led me to where I am right now. That probably should have never happened. My mother was working uh, up the road at a Kmart as a cashier, a little ways from a ski resort, and it was cheaper to put me in ski lessons and drop me off at the hill when she went and ran the register than it was to pay for some kind of daycare or babysitter kind of a thing. So I started skiing when I was very small and did it for a number of years, and then our school had a program in fifth and sixth grade where it was ski club, and we'd all have, you know, passes, and we'd go up and ski in our jeans and on a little icy hill in Michigan, and uh, uh, started to kind of be around that environment, you know, more and more. Um, and then going around gates just kind of happened one day, uh, there was a club training and I went up and I skied the course. I asked permission and the coach let me go through it and I was hooked immediately. Uh, loved that. I skied, ski raced through high school and, uh, with, with, with a club and, uh, was able to, uh, uh, see a lot of the great ski hills around the country and a little bit internationally and, uh, found that I was probably better at, uh, offering assistance and, advice to younger athletes than i was at actually ski racing so what was the moment that you realized that because i mean i think to a certain extent like i don't know if this is true but i know in rock climbing like just because you work at a rock climbing gym all the general public thinks that like we're we can climb what's here at the world cup right which is not true in any way shape or form everyone thinks you climb v10 just walking into a gym when you're just an employee and I guess is the same disillusion true for when you walk up to an instructor and then, and also too, like, what was the moment that made you realize that? And I guess, you know, a question, I, another kind of following up on that now piling things on, cause that's my style that's as good. it comes in my head, but like, was it kind of a bittersweet moment or did you find a lot of joy in there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I grew to more and more enjoy the coaching element and seeing success in other athletes. Um, and, yeah, and I mean, skiing for me, it's been a little different. I can ski anywhere, even even now. I'm almost 49 years old, and I'll ski any hill anywhere. Um, but uh, the uh, the technical aspects, I mean, ski racing is a sport of uh, fractions of seconds. So being consistent was enough. Wasn't enough. You have to be, you know, pushing the envelope to the point where sometimes you're not having a, a successful run. Um, and I was more, you know, I don't know if I'd say cautious, but more technically aware and, mm-hmm. and not so much just letting it all hang out. So, but, uh, I, I really, truly enjoy working with other athletes and coaching. That was a passion. Mm-hmm. Like the first time I ever went out with someone that asked me for advice on something they were doing and I had a drill for them and we do drills. So where we take a skill and we'll 
kind of take that out, look at it, and we'll refine that skill by doing something as simple as leaving your poles behind and skiing on one ski. Yeah. Or as simple as taking off all your equipment and exploring where we're standing in our ski boots. You know, just little things where we take one ingredient out of the recipe and make sure it's the best it can be before we put all the ingredients back together again. That's pretty awesome. And kind of the same thing exists in climbing to an extent. And it's like more for like really defined technical movements. Like, like for example, you'll see climbers here do it here. It's like professional climbers are probably the only people who will do a heel hook correctly Mm -hmm. because it's not, everyone has the misconception. It's like the back of your heel and it's not, it's actually the outside edge. And what you're trying to do is either push your foot straight down so you hinge forward mm-hmm. or you're pushing your foot pointing the toe down and turning it out so your hip flexors open up and right. come wall so it's definitely those little nuances that physics I is cool yeah yeah right? yeah and, physics and we, and body ski racers we do it at you know 70 miles an hour no, about no thank where, you. where things are and your center of mass becomes theoretical and out in space somewhere so very very similar because we get very technical too so what do you look for when you're looking for an athlete or do you like recruit people for like uh, international and like higher level competitive teams? Are you coaching those teams? And then like, I guess like, what is the thing? Like I know right. for us, it's like, we look for athletes who really are coachable and then just that have kind of like this, I don't know, ferocity or this insatiable appetite, almost right. kind of like killer instinct. Mm-hmm. But like, we want to temper that and get them to use it as a tool right it's it's hard to know like you want to be precision you want precision you want tension and then you want to be able to be patient so you can attack exactly and so is it the same thing 100 100 100 um that's exactly how i would describe what we look for um ski racing is the conservation of speed for me the, the the best ski turn is a ski turn that we can do that we do not limit the amount of speed we can retain uh most most times ski turns you're turning down the slope to sort of cut it down to size right like most oh. recreational skiers whereas you know we're trying to go as fast as we possibly go while going around the prescri- prescribed course and yeah it's a fine balance of you know aggression patience uh and uh just just a kinesthetic sense of where your body is and how to use it to lever the ski in such a way as to conserve as much speed as possible and make the shortest line from top to bottom. Do you ever find like the same thing, that same kind of like ferocity that you look for in athletes? Can you also tell as a coach, like this person is going to get themselves hurt because they won't. And like, you have, you, do you have an example of someone? Maybe not hurt, but I can tell people that, you know, I can, you know, we all kind of know, you know, as coaches when we're standing back that, you know, when someone's about to maybe go to the next level and, we all know that they're not quite ready, and we'll see, you'll say something like, "But he's uh, gonna get eaten alive next year." <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I I'm just curious about that because I know in climbing, it's like I usually have to pull the kids off the wall because I'm like, I need you to rest more mm-hmm. so you can save your growth uh, growth plates. And and what I imagine in your setting is that you know it's kind of like walking up to an athlete and be like, I "Need you to temper it down." Well, or, and I mean, or is that mostly it's thing? the parents. The really? parents want you, they get really, really intense and they want you to, you know, do nothing but ski gates, ski gates, ski gates. But I'm of the philosophy that great skiers make great ski racers, not the other way around. Um, so especially with the younger athletes, 
you know, we have a governing body, the United States Ski and Snowboard Association uh, has prescriptions for training for all levels of athletes. Um, and, uh, you know, for the younger kids, you know, you don't, you should be out playing. And I mean, as a coach, I think it's our responsibility to make the playing structured and directional. Mm-hmm. So we try to have drills and exercises and little games on the skis that are a means to an end. So we're trying to refine and define skills as we're out interacting with the mountain, skiing around with the kids, having fun. Skiing's fun. Ski racing is fun. And it should be, especially if you're a 10, 12, 14-year-old athlete, you should be huh. enjoying it or you're never going to stick with it. It's not something that's going to be special to you or that you're going to have passion for for a long time. How do you break up your age groups? Because I know in my program, I break them up between, so we have Little Rockers, which is basically five and younger. And then we have, um, well, more like six and younger. And then we have them like seven to 10. And then we have an 11 to basically a large group class from 11 and up. Mm-hmm. But then in our competitive group, we have 10 and under, 11 to 13, and then 14 and up. Right. And we find climbing world that like, Basically, from ten and under, it needs to be so slap happy fun sure. that like they just like everything's a game, mm-hmm. everything's super fun, super silly, no nothing serious. But it's not like you know. And I always say this, and I actually I want to circle back on the parent thing too. But I always say this like, rock climbing doesn't become cool until kids start googling it, and once kids start googling it, rock climbing is like super 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 cool. But that's really not until the age of around like 10 or 11. Like right. then they're like YouTubing the crap out of it. Right. And so it, it just stood out to me that you said, you know, it really is game and silliness all the way up to the age of like 13 and 14. And to me, that seems a little old right. for it to be that way. Well, and I mean, the, so it's, it's, a, it's a scale, right? So 13 and 14 year old kids are way too cool for singing songs on the chairlift with you as a coach, but with each other, you'll find them doing it all the time. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, and, and as they get older and as they progress in the sport, then more and more training in the gates comes along. Um, and, and we, we split our kids up, uh, as the governing body, uh, directs. And, uh, that is, we have, uh, U8s, which are actually six and seven year old athletes, um, based on their birthday of that competitive year. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, We have really, 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 really chill when you're a U8. Wow. Um, and then U10s are eight and nine-year-olds, and they're actually my favorite group to work with because that's my emotional age, I think, um, and the <laughs> level of my jokes. Uh, they, and, they, yeah, they'll sing with you on the chairlift and goof off a lot. But, uh, you know, you get little rippers. You know, you get little kids where we'll be out skiing in the trees and down the mountain, and they'll be right on my heels as fast as I can go. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the U12s, U14s, U16s, U18s, and then U21s. Uh, that's how we we uh, split things up, and then we also split by ability level and uh, what what kind of things you're working on. Okay, um, yeah. I kind of want to double back to like the, the the parent thing. So, sure. There's a famous uh, speak from a speech from a Canadian. I think it's the head of the Canadian climbing Olympic team, and he talks about this. And I don't know if you ever do this, but I have to do this with parents all the time. Um, I have to like very boldly intervene sometimes and i'm like listen your kid knows mm-hmm. like, i need you to be like loving parent loving ice cream just let me be the bad guy and a lot of times i have to set very strong ground rules with a lot of parents i'm like listen we are the coaches your job is just to 
unconditionally love your child in a way that you feel stupid about doing it sometimes. Like, I need you to not take yourself seriously. Right. And I don't know. I just find that sometimes it's extremely hard for parents. I don't know, but, like, I don't have kids. And I don't know if it's, like, once you have a child, all your emotional anguish that you went through that was more self-growth. Maybe you remember all the stuff that people picked on you about. But, like, and you're all trying your... to make up for it and live vicariously through Yeah, your, your child. Yeah. And it's just, like, I'm just, like, back off. Right. And sometimes that, and a lot, most parents are pretty chill. Right. In the rock climbing industry, like, most of them just, like, you know, they want to drop their kids off. They want to go have some wine with their friends. Right. And then come back and do that. But, like, you have you. And I guess what is do you ever have to have those caliber of conversations with parents and then what are i guess techniques and things that you do to kind of like diffuse this or kind of really bring the parents on your side to help actually not your side on the athlete's side right yeah so i mean we're lucky to have some good structure and good head coaching and uh information that's you know kind of sets expectations from the beginning okay, uh, with parents. Um, we also have a really great uh, way of being able to separate ourselves from them because the parents aren't really allowed anywhere in the training zone with us. Um, and most of them couldn't ski with us if, even if they were allowed to come into oh, the race I arena that makes or sense. They can't even up on get the hill the with us or anything else. So huh. we get them out and we get on the mountain and then we have them on the hill. Um, and then, you know, race day, we've got, you know, pe- parents with Olympic aspirations and they want their kids to make the team and they want a lot and they expect a lot of things. And, you know, they, they, they put that on their kids at an early age sometimes. And that's just not, you know, from a sports psychology perspective, it's not the ideal way to do it. Like you said, I mean, supporting and I mean, ski racing is an expensive sport. So, you know, expecting your your uh, athlete to be engaged and to do their best to, you know, take it seriously, but enjoy the experience. Um, and I think that, yeah. And I mean, every once in a while you get the parent that's kind of in there and trying to help coach. Right. And that's, that's, that's what I experienced more than anything else. If somebody was really, you know, and, and I, we really haven't had a, a lot of uh, 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 times when a parent was in there, you know, mm-hmm. being too much on, you know, a competition day, but um, cause they're separated honestly. So it's easy. It's easier that way. That's, but, uh, yeah, that's such a bizarre world to me because like in climbing, it's kind of the same thing because, mm-hmm. you know, kids are climbing over here. The parents are over there, but there really isn't that much separation. Right. From them. We, we have to get on a chairlift, go to the top, ski around to an area that's all fenced in and only athletes are allowed in there. So we have a pit. So our whole team will go to the pit and it's just the coaches and kids. So from that point and that's, then the tech, so can yeah, the, the old- equipment. The only thing we have like that is in uh, ISO comps where mm-hmm. it's like one athlete comes out at a time. It's not like a red point style because we have red point style where everybody just comes right. out and they can share beta. They can talk. You just can't give information while someone's on the wall. But isolate ISO is pretty rough. And it's funny. It's like we have 50% of our kids love ISO and 50% of the kids hate it. Right. And it's funny now that I think about it, like this and surfing are probably the only two sports that I can think of that like. The kids are physically separated from yep. their parents so like right, for yeah. so long. Yep. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, do you find that like the social dynamic for this for kids growing up and like really kind of like becoming friends and yep. things like this is interesting? Because I know in climbing, like the biggest time of social dynamic is during practice, mm-hmm. like, because in climbing, with, especially with bouldering, there's just so much downtime. Like you just you physically cannot be on the wall all the time, and so is that largest amount of social, I guess 
interaction and friendship building um is that usually during competitions during those times or is it just kind of it's like during training days usually as competitions are limited you know as far as how many you do in a year they're very you know they have a social aspect but uh when we're in the when we're in the zone on top of the hill and it's people are getting ready and preparing mentally to you know ski the course it's important for these guys to uh get into their into their 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 zone inside their head and mm-hmm. get their bodies mm-hmm. ready and be prepared uh and going through they do like mental imagery of skiing the course while, while we're at the top waiting we keep their muscles warm we make sure their equipment is functioning properly um it's all business at the top of the race hill on race day and then training days is is uh you know when we're not just about to go or receiving feedback from a coach or working on something then the very social very much of a you know, community uh, team kind of a thing for something that's actually really like climbing an individual sport. Really is, um, yeah. You know, there's there's a huge, you know, team camaraderie that goes along with it. That's awesome. Yeah, because, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. That's why tr- track and field was my first love. Is But, like, basically when you get on the wall, when you get into the blocks, or I'm mm-hmm. assuming when you're at the top of the hill, you're on yep. your own. Absolutely. So, yeah. It's you yeah. and the clock. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty freaking cool. So, um, in how long have you been coaching again now? Uh, my first year of coaching was 1991. So yeah, 30 years. Yeah, please, brother. And mm-hmm. you're still loving it every day. Still loving it every day. Um, I work seven days a week all winter, so I could do it. And every year, about midway, you're not a coach if you don't say, "This is it. This is my last year. I'm going to quit this year." Oh yeah, no, at least definitely. once a year, right? I then, I, I either think about that or I threaten <laughs> to fire all my coaches probably on a daily basis, and then I'm like, "You're all fired." <laughs> And like 15 minutes back, I'm like, I need you guys to show up to work right. tomorrow. Yeah. Actually, I love you guys. I can't wait to see you tomorrow. You right? Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say is, in your profession, what is the send and the suffer of every coach? And like, and I'm sure it's different for everything else and ours is different. But like, what is like the golden moments that you have? And, you know, they don't have to be the wins. They can be anything. I know for everyone, it's a little different. And then what is the things? And I find for me, the suffers, even though they're bitter, they mm-hmm. still, they, those are the things that make me want to come to work more often. Right. Right. So I think that side of it mostly is, uh, you know, you're out in the elements, you're standing in the cold, you're telling kids to do the same thing every time, you know, do this. Like for most kids, you know, kids kind of get back in their stance. That's kind of a natural to brace against the hill and kind of, whoa, kind of thing. Um, and what we need to be is exactly opposite of that being forward in the front of our boots and diving down the hill. Um, but uh, so, like, you know, every day, day in and day out, you tell the kids the same thing that you always tell them. You're working on drills. They get it in a drill. You take them out to go do it, and the, it doesn't translate into the into their ski turn, you know. And it's just, like, just a constant, like, trying to fine-tune and adjust a movement pattern and to get results. So the suffer, I think, is when we're all out there and you're telling the kids to do something over and over again, and they're either not paying attention or they're just not getting it. They're not you know, physically or mentally ready to absorb the information and, you know, put it into their, you know, into the soup that is their ski turn um, forever, right? Yeah, and to yeah. just kind of lock it into their muscle memory. Um, but the 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 times what that make it all worthwhile are when it clicks. You know, you get a kid that learns a new skill and it clicks. You know, you take someone that's been trying to do something, working really hard, and, you know, and it it's it's a progression it you know sometimes can last several seasons not just you know a couple of days or a couple of lessons um and then when that clicks and they have those results that they're looking for and most kids want to get on the podium they want to you know they want to mm-hmm. you know break through and 
you know, qualify for a higher level race. They want to, you know, whatever their goal is, we all, you know, set and set our goals at the beginning of the season. We manage those expectations and goals. We, we refine them as we go. And the kids, even the little kids, we, we do that with them. Um, and, uh, when, when they reach their goals, when they, you know, learn the skills and, and, and incorporate those skills to what they're doing, um, those are the moments that, yeah, make it all worthwhile. Um, and, uh, yeah. That's awesome. Right. Do you, you know, listen, I'm like my brain, you keep on saying thing and like, we're both coaches. So my brain's like going all over the place, you know, and you talked about like the suffering of like really re- saying these things to the kids all the time. Do you change your language or do you have very specific age appropriate language that you really change towards the small, towards the younger kids? And it really, is it that different? I find that like, and this is just my coaching experience. If you cannot convey age to the, if you cannot convey, like, I need you to perform this mm-hmm. movement right. to a seven-year-old with age-appropriate language, you are going to have a hard time conveying that to an adult. Right. And that's just, yep. in my opinion, especially yep. for someone coming into coaching or even maybe uh, in a anything, season Anything coach. to teach anybody ever. I, yeah, I had a teacher long ago that said, if you can't explain it to a fifth grader, then you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. And yeah. So like the little kids, the U8s, you know, we do silly stuff, really silly stuff. I worked with these two coaches, Patrick and uh, Dottie up at Park City, um, who they have these little like little plastic jars that you get at like a the dollar section of a toy store. Mm-hmm. There's this like goopy stuff in it that when you smoosh your fingers in it, it makes like fart sounds. Oh, yes. I know what you're talking about. Right. And like a Fine. movement pattern. Yeah. And a movement pattern in skiing that's really, you know a high level maneuver is to take your body and kind of huck your meat down the hill, right. Yeah. To kind of call it cross over where we're, you know, at the beginning of the end of the turn, you know, we're kind of placed back on our heels a bit and in the transition and re- releasing the edges and diving down the hill, you need to move your body forward in our mm-hmm. center of mass and in our midsection. So Dottie and Patrick would make a fart sound, say jet propulsion down the hill. Ah. And I mean, so like it, with a, with, you know, U21, you're talking about, you know, well, we're going to want to extend our femurs and, you know, we're going to roll our foot and just go down to, you know, pretty, you know, detailed physiology, you know, of what the movement pattern is going to look like, which they should know it by then. So, we, yeah, you know, yeah. But, you know um, but uh, yeah, so, and everything in between, you know, I go, you know, you go from saying to smush the front of the boot to saying, we're going to flex our ankles, you know, Funny we so, say teach the kids or like when we teach the kids, like you were going to squish the bug. Mm-hmm. And at first we're like, yep, turn your foot in, but then we get them to stop. Like, all right, we squish the bug. We don't s- smash it. We just squish it. Right. And when you squish, your heel comes up. Yep. And then when your heel comes up, your weight is on your toe. And then we expand on that. Your heel comes up, your weight is on your toe. Then we're going to keep that weight. We're right. going to move and like teaching them. That's generally the hardest part. Like mm-hmm. keeping them to keep constant tension and, perform movement in any given direction that we're trying to go that Mm -hmm. for the move for the sake of whatever they're trying to do um i generally find is the hardest part um is there are there any books or materials that you have read over the years that like you know related to the sport not related to the sport that that this like really stood out for you that you feel that are applicable to your profession or any coach's profession yeah so i'm a ski coach so as a coach, I only read books with pictures in them. You know, I haven't quite graduated to the just words books. Love it. But, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. And uh, it's totally not a skiing book, but it's a book that I love uh, for 
teaching and coaching. Um, and it's actually a book that I've, that was given to me to train my dog. It's called Hey Pup, Fetch It Up. And it's a book that uh, you, while you're training a dog, you build a relationship with the dog. Huh. And like, and it, it's not like you don't treat kids like dogs. No, like, so no. That's not what I, I mean, mean, some of them all, have the intelligence capacity. But it goes into it. like when you're teaching your dog something, you're like sometimes you're like taking it really personally, uh-huh. and you're like kind of trying to infer some personal desire into what you want your dog to turn out to be, right? And that's not an efficient or effective way to teach something. So it's it's a teaching book. That's cool, right? It's but it's not about people. It's about dogs, and it's more about you is what it is. Right. I mean, yeah, there's a ton of technical stuff on how to train a dog to, you know, be a duck hunting dog and all this yeah. other stuff in there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that that one, it told me more about myself than any other coaching book I've ever read. That's awesome. Um, and yeah. And I mean, like, and I don't know that I've ever really thought about that until you just said that, because it's like, it's a book that's made me think about myself and when I'm trying to get some change around me, be it with a kid on skis or anything uh-huh. really you know another person an that's, animal that's uh, awesome you know something that's not even you know a living object you know right yeah, just like yeah so you know looking within before you try to pass something on i think uh is, is the important thing and uh yeah that's a it's a weird story but it's true awesome that's... hey pup fetch it up all right and then um if people want to find you and get in touch with you acquire your services like how do they do that so I'm, I'm, uh, coaching for a private club okay. and so they, the people, uh, sign up for the program. Uh, and I'm currently coaching at solitude resort and I have no intention of going anywhere ever. Okay. Uh, I love that mountain. It's home. My kids have grown up there. Um, I love the families that I inter- interact with on a daily basis. And the, the hill is, is just a fabulous place. It's a smaller nice. program. Uh, it's my speed right now for sure for okay. working weekends and things like that. So they'd sign up there or uh, you can find me on the any neighborhood bar on the corner of the street. All right. Perfect. And then can I ask a really, <laughs> really, really weird question? Of course. What is the song that you sing on the ski lift or can we do one? Oh, man. So uh, are we going to sing a song? I, I mean, I, we're here. Why so, not? So like a couple of them I like learned from my daughters who were Girl Scouts and they're like repeat after me songs and they're wicked silly i mean i yeah whichever one is most popular in the kids in the ski song uh on the ski lift sure why not i mean we're here and the other thing is is a ski lift's about like you know 15 to 20 minutes long so these are kind of oh oh, oh we don't songs, have time for that right? let, let's no. shorten it up like right? let's shorten so, it up let's, so, let's do like a couple bars right exactly so this one is a girl scout song and it's about a moose and I'm i in. adapt I'm the in. song slightly um, I have a defining feature that I don't know if you've noticed that I've actually worn for much of my adult life, Dash. this silly moustache. So we add the moose, gets a moustache in this one. Oh, I'm into um, it. And I typically will take my gloves off and put them in my goggle straps uh, to uh, mimic uh, moose antlers. Um, kids are big on that. <laughs> oh, um, my God. But, uh, yeah, let me see if I can even jump in in the middle. Oh, man. Uh, I can't, so we're just going to start at the beginning. All right, let's do it. All right. There was a great big moose. There was a great big moose. He liked to drink a lot of juice. He liked to drink a lot of juice. There was a great big moose. There was a great big moose. He liked to drink a lot of juice. He liked to drink a lot of juice. Way-o, way-o. Way-o, way-o. Way-o, 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 way-o. Way-o, way-o, way-o. And it goes on and on and on, and he spills his juice in his, in his mustache. In oh, that's awesome. And, 
and yeah, super fun. The kids love it, and I love you know keeping the kids entertained and engaged and happy and dude. in a good safe environment, and then you can teach them a lot. Dude, uh, thank you so much for taking your time. Yeah, I man. was super excited once you, like I said earlier, I was super excited once I found out you're a coach because I, I I don't know I think I think there's a certain level of level of give you have in your soul when you're like okay I'm going to do this because. I'm sure there are days like you, I want to throw kids into the wall and you want to throw kids off. The nah, we just throw their equipment. Oh, nice. That's yeah. I can't do they, that. they frown on throwing kids these days. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, man, thank you for your time. And I look forward to staying in touch with you and uh, maybe one day get on the, get on the slopes with you. I'll get you out there. I don't oh, know yeah. if you can get me to climb. Uh, I, challenge <laughs> accepted. Right. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was chill. It was a little silly. It was a little fun. And, you know, I don't always get to do that in some of my podcasts. Some of them are pretty serious. Some of them are heavy. Some of them are light. But it's not every day that you just meet someone right off the street who can vibe. So thank you for vibing with us. And I appreciate you vibing with Sins and Suffers podcast so much. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share. And as always, if you're not suffering, are you even sending at all?